0: Are we living in the last days? First century believers believed they were. I remember as a child hearing, we are in the last days. The Beatles were on the radio and people were marching in the streets and the Russians were coming. Are we living in the last days? Saw this over the weekend about Stephen Hawking who died last week from MSN.com, a theory explaining how we might detect parallel universes and a prediction for the end of the world was completed by Stephen Hawking shortly before he died. The renowned theoretical physicist was working right up until his death last week on his final work, A Smooth Exit from Eternal Inflation, which is currently being reviewed by a scientific journal. In it, he predicted that the universe would eventually end when stars run out of energy, which interestingly coincides with my theory about Hollywood. (laughs) That's where it happens right there. Putin, Yeah, thank you. I'm here till next Friday. <laughs> Dr. Ray Pritchard is back today with news of a doomsday clock, Vladimir Putin, Kim Jong-un, and the end of all things. Straight ahead on another encouraging conversation. <laughs> How in the world are you going to make this encouraging? Well, you'll have to stay with us to find out. My question to you today, our question is, what if Jesus were to return this year? What if he were to return this month? What if it were at the end of this week? What difference should it make in the way that we live? Here's the number, 877-548-3675. The website's chrisfabrylive.org. Joe, the prayer guys helped us out today. Ryan Conahay doing all things technical. Ryan, helped me watch the uh, the big basketball game over the weekend. My alma mater. They they had this comeback at the end of the game, and they pulled within 23 points. <laughs> Trisha is our consulting producer. The victor will be answering your calls today. I was gone last week. Tuesday through Friday, I was gone in Chicago to help with our spring fundraising drive for Moody Radio. And one of the great things you experience in a prolonged effort, trying to say the same thing about 100 different ways <laughs> over four days, because <laughs> how, many, how many ways could you say, help us and here's the number? One of the great things is to be able to hear from listeners. You know, here's what this program means to me. Here's what the music did at a vulnerable moment, the teaching on the, the station, the guests that you have. I even heard from one listener who said, it was your laugh, Fabry, that told me that you're real. You're not pretending. And even though the people who are behind the microphones are fallible and flawed, and I know that because I am one of them, God uses us to tell others about the good news, and he can use you, too, in your life right where you are. So if this station has asked you to help with a gift, if this station has had a fundraiser like I was talking about with Moody Radio, or if they said, hey, it's coming, reach out to them, tell them how much you appreciate them being there at the, the, whatever spot on the dial they're on, and tell them Chris Fabry told you to. <laughs> told you to. See, there's that laugh again. Elsie Young was born in 1912. She died last Friday night. Thank God we got in on the dash between those two dates, 1912, 2018. She was with us more than a dozen times uh, beginning in 2011. When I met her, she was only 99. There's an article that's been published about her. I have pictures on the Facebook page. We'll be celebrating her life. I think we're going to do that next week. Elsie's one of those people who outlived her contemporaries, but she never outlived her friends because she had so many. And we are going to miss her voice and her laugh and her wit. Go to chrisfabrylive.org and you can look at the Facebook page. You can link through to that article that I just found out about an hour before we went on the air today. Oh, and by the way, one more thing, two weeks from two weeks from today. At this time, Steve and Rob, The wise guys, the money wise guys, the money wise live guys (laughs) are going to be with you at this time on this spot on many of these stations. Shake your little list. But uh, money wise live begins two weeks from today at this point. And people are saying, well, Chris, what are you going to be doing? I'm going to be traveling at this hour. (laughs) We'll drive to Benson and come. No. I'm going to be uh, on the the one-hour program that we started way back when, 2008, 10 years ago. In 2008, we started with one hour, and we're going back to it. We'll pack that hour full. So two to three central time, and if you don't hear us because you're not going home from work or whatever, you can hear us online, get the podcast. I encourage you to do that. But uh, welcome my pals, Steve and Rob, two weeks from today. And welcome Dr. Ray Pritchard right now, who is president of Keep Believing Ministries. He's been to China, Bolivia, Colombia, Paraguay, Belize, Haiti, Nigeria, Switzerland, Russia, India, Nepal, and Shawnee, Kansas, where he's joining (laughs) us today today.
1: Ray, how in the world are you doing? Oh, Chris, great to hear your voice. Great to be with you. I was down in Dallas yesterday and taught Sunday school at Preston Wood Baptist Church and then Marlene and I hopped in the car and drove up through Oklahoma and into Kansas. We've got our oldest son and his wife, Leah, Josh and Leah live here in Shawnee, Kansas and they have two of our beautiful grandkids, uh, Knox and Violet. And so, you know, sometimes, Chris, you just need a grandkid fix. You just, <laughs> you just need a fix. Just need a fix yes. of the grandkids. And especially when your wife says to you, honey, we need to go see the grandkids. And so this was, you know, this is like a quick two day trip up here to do it, but it's already, it, it's a long way to come, but it's already very oh, much yeah. worth it.
0: You know, those names, I, I gotta, I gotta talk with your son and, and
1: your daughter in law, <laughs> Knox and Violet. That, right. those
0: are, oh, that is such a, those
1: are such cute names. Well, and, and, you know, Knox, John Knox, the great reformer, right. and Violet, I, I think they were just, well, I think maybe there's a family connection on Leah's side there. And so mm-hmm. they're just, you know, it, that, when we drove up, Chris, uh, they were looking out the window. And they had been. We didn't call them. We They kind of knew we were coming up from Oklahoma. But they had been looking through the slats of the blinds out the window to see when, Gpa and Gma were going to arrive. There are not many feelings in the world better than having no. your grandkids look through the blinds and then come running out when you get out of the car. So yeah, mm. we're glad to be here. Gpa and Gma. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. See,
0: it's, okay. Now, what you just described, though, is exactly what we're talking about. This w- looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing. What your grandkids were doing
1: is the perfect metaphor of the Christian and the return of Christ, right? Well, you know, we're told in the New Testament that that there is a blessing for those who not just look for the return of Christ, but look with eagerness. And, you know, I was thinking about this – because. Chris you mentioned that you used to hear sermons on this and it's kind of funny that that phrase we we all used to hear a lot more about bible prophecy than we do today sometimes i wonder if we just are so much involved in this world uh, yet yet 1 john 3 says he that has this hope in him meaning the hope of seeing jesus purifies himself there is a power a purifying power to the hope of the second coming of Christ. And, you know, are we living in the last days? Well, yes, and in one sense, we've been living in the last days ever since Jesus went back to heaven, right? We're 2,000 years into the last days, and yet there will be a tempo of events that happen as we rush toward the end of the age. And uh, I think we're right there. I think we're knocking at the door, and I think things in heaven are being prepared for the coming of Christ to the earth. And Hmm. you know what? I'd rather live that way than to say, oh, he's not going to come for 500 years. That can't possibly – it can't be right. I mean, I don't know the date he's coming, right? But it it, it would be better, Chris, for us to get up and say, perhaps today, than to push it Mm -hmm. off and say, well, it's not going to happen for centuries. We don't know that, so we better get ready. Well, at the
0: same time, you know, if you and I were transported to the 1860s and you look at what happened in the Civil War or – you look at World War One in the teens, or World War Two. You look at what happened with Paul Pot. You know all of this, right? Right. Everything that was going on in the world at that time, and it's like there's no way that Jesus can tarry with the Luftwaffe, you know, flying over sure. over our heads. And yet here we are in in 2018. Um, you talk in that there's a there's a new booklet that's coming out two minutes till midnight. That we'll be talking about today. That's that's not going to be out or available for a little while, um, but we'll we'll let you know about this about the uh, the atomic scientists, the doomsday clock, right? Right. And you've given you've given some information about that and what's going on in around the world and the, the the struggles that we're seeing in the newspaper. Let me take a quick break. I want to come back with you and talk about that and how we are to orient ourselves. Every time we see something going on, are we living in the last days? And, and if Jesus were to come at the end of this week or next month or at the end of this year, would we live our lives any differently? Let's talk about it straight ahead on Moody Radio. Dr. Ray Pritchard's joining us today at the Radio Backyard Fence. We're talking about last days living. If Jesus were to come at the end of this year, would you do anything differently between now and then? Let's say he, he you knew he was going to return this month or this week. Would that make any difference in your life? And what difference should it make? I want to hear from you. 877-548-3675 and all the questions that you might have. For the president of Keep Believing Ministries, you can find out more about Ray at org. We have linked uh, a featured resource for him right there, which is the one that we've linked to most often an anchor for the soul, but uh, I have in front of me the, uh, uh, this is something that's coming out in in April, and it's called Two Minutes Till Midnight, Ray, and you talk about this doomsday clock. That just, that
1: really bugs me when I hear
0: news about that. What is that? (laughs)
1: Well, in 1947, uh, a group of atomic scientists, not Christians, not biblical scholars, a group of atomic scientists, in the aftermath of World War II and the devastation of the uh, atomic bombs and with the development soon of the hydrogen hydrogen bomb, they decided to say, if we look at the world from a secular point of view, how close or how far away, apparently, are we to global catastrophe? And they imagined a clock that when it hits midnight, well, this is the end of the world. We're going to blow ourselves up. And they, they didn't mean by that, Chris, The second coming of Christ or Armageddon, the way we think of it. But you know, we are living in a world where, where we have, we've never been better at killing each other. We've never had power of mass destruction of humanity like we do today. So they started taking a look at it and they would say, well, we're five minutes till midnight. Uh, then they would say 12 minutes till midnight, looking, you know, uh, across the, uh, across the world scene. The furthest they ever got away from midnight was seventeen minutes till midnight, and that was in the early nineteen nineties Well, it's been creeping up these last ten or fifteen years uh seven minutes till midnight, five minutes till midnight, three minutes till midnight, two and a half minutes till midnight, mm. and then looking at the at the extreme danger posed by what's happening in the Korean Peninsula, North Korea, the stuff happening between the U.S. and Korea, the, the, the spread of nuclear weapons, uh, not just in the hands of governments, but in the hands of rogue players. In January of this year, they reset the clock to two minutes till midnight, simply saying that th- this is the closest it's been since the height of the Cold War in the early 1950s. Now, Chris, you and I know we know no man knows the day or the hour. I know that well. And yet, there's something to be said when people have been tracking this for almost 70 years. Look at the world situation and say it is in a critical, dire strait. So that's I think we are dancing with disaster. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? And I, I think certainly it, when, when you read the Bible – and see the chaos. I mean, read the book of Revelation. The chaos yes. that's described in the end times, it would seem that we are moving rapidly toward the end of all things. And at least, people, we ought to get ready because Jesus is coming again.
0: Yes, and you give several scriptures. That's what First Peter 4 says. The end of all things is at hand. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here from Romans 13. The Lord is at hand, Philippians. The Lord The Lord's coming is near, James 5. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, from Revelation 22. And I read that, you know, read the whole book of Revelation recently over a couple of days, and it is, there is this frightening scenario of the locusts and the -hmm. the horsemen of the apocalypse and all of this, And, and a lot of people get burdened with that and bogged down and you know they think of doomsday and oh and and they're not able to live fully today because of all that's you know that is coming on the horizon or the other side of that is well i'm going to be out of here anyway i don't have to worry about any of that and so there's almost a laissez-faire feeling about how they look at the end times How do you look at that,
1: uh, thinking of the questions that we are thinking about here today? How would I live differently today? You know, Chris, I'm old enough to remember when Hal Lindsey wrote the late, great Planet Earth, and there was a lot of talk about it, right, back in the 70s. And we go through these cycles where either we get preoccupied with the second coming or we don't talk about it at all. I was honestly, honestly, Chris, I was greatly moved at Billy Graham's funeral when Anne Graham Lotz got up and said that the death of her father, which clearly, I mean, Al Moeller said, wasn't speaking prophetically really, but Al Moeller said this is the end of an era in yes. evangelical history. He's exactly right. Anne Graham Lotz said, it's a shot across the bow. Wake up, people. Wake up, church. Jesus is coming again. And I don't know, some bells were ringing in my head because I'd been thinking about this for some months. And I'll tell you, as I traveled around the country as I talk to pastors, and especially just as I talk to Christians everywhere, I think there's a growing sense that we are moving rapidly toward something that's about to happen and we should get ready. Well, what is the one thing that we know is going to happen? We know that at the appointed day, the appointed hour, Jesus will return again. And when, when I read that passage in First Peter 4, Verses seven through eleven, the end of all things is at hand. He, he tells us this is how we ought to live, and it's not go up on the mountain and sell all your stuff and you know wear the white robes, but it is really, it is really what I would consider just basic, practical Christian living. If indeed Jesus is going to come back this year, there are some things we need to get straight so we are ready whenever He does come. Yes, and we're going to talk about those. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, okay. absolutely. All right. Here's that number. And
0: I know that you've got some things to keep in mind as we get to that. But I want to hear how you respond to those questions. If Jesus were to come and you knew he was coming and you don't know it, but I'm telling you, let's, let's think about it. At the end of the year. Would you do anything different between now and then? End of the month. End of the week. Would you do anything different? Would you sell everything and you know, buy a gospel blimp as Joe Bailey <laughs> talked about, uh, or as, uh, I think it was Carl Henry when somebody came out with one of these things about, you know, Jesus is coming back at this date. Carl Henry offered him $500 for his car and a thousand for his house, <laughs> which I always love. Uh, you know, what is, what does last day's living really look like? And how are you struggling with this? 877-548-3675. Let me let Ann in here to the conversation. Hi, Ann.
1: Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure thing. All right. Um, Evangelize. Knowing that God um, really didn't have the plan for us to know exactly the time. um, He said even Jesus doesn't know um, exactly the time. But, you know, this your question just prompts me to want to go evangelize and tell others about Jesus everywhere. Yes, okay.
0: and and to. and to let them know about the, you know the good news. And you would spend. Are you saying Ann, that you would spend more time than you do now by in doing that? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know you can't do it enough. Can't yeah. can't evangelize enough Never.
1: Ray, okay. what do you think? How do you respond to that? Well, first of all, Ann, you're exactly right that. To the extent that we get bogged down in the things of this world, to that extent, we're not going to be that concerned about evangelism because we've got so many other things going on. But there's the the, the hope of the future is that history has a climax. It has a purpose. It has a destiny that we ought to be telling people this world is going to end someday. You know, um uh, he's right. This, the, the, I don't know about the stars burning out, you know, but uh, Stephen Hawking, uh, but he's right. I mean, the the universe is going to come to its appointed climax. I mean, we used to sing, hmm. "He's got the whole world in his hands." History is his story. It's going somewhere, uh, and I was. To bring Billy Graham up again, there's a reason. At every crusade for basically 70 years, he always gave at least one sermon on the second coming of Christ because he said that's the message that will grab the attention of people. That's what they need to know, that this world is not going to last forever. You're going to live forever somewhere. It's not going to be on this earth, not in this life. So get ready, people. Jesus is coming. So, And you're exactly right. It, it, the more we're convicted about the second coming, the more eager we will be to share the good news, the life-changing power of Jesus Christ.
0: I want to read you something that uh, Adrian Rogers said, because what you just said, Ray, made me think of this. I still work with Dr. Adrian Rogers, even though he died in 2005. He says, if you're saved, Paul says, don't get rattled by reading the newspapers and talking about all the things happening on earth, rather than moaning, what the world, what's the world coming to?
1: Start saying, look who's coming to the world. His name is Jesus. (laughs) Hey, we were talking. That's fantastic. I mean, not what the world's coming to, but who's coming to the world. First Peter four, you want to know what's the very first thing Peter says. The end of all things is at hand. This world is not going to last forever. The end is at hand. The very first thing he says is not sell your stuff and go up on the mountain, but be sober Mm. and self-controlled so you can pray. If You know, Chris, it's possible to spend too much time watching the news. It's Mm. possible to spend too much time on Facebook. It's possible to spend too much time on social media and the back and forth of politics and what's going on in the world. And Peter says, if you really believe that the end of all things is at hand, you're going to be sober and self-controlled so that you can pray. And, And I will say this. Uh, As we we rush headlong toward the end of all things, we ought to be taking more time to pray. We ought to be taking more time in our church services, in our small groups, and individually. We ought to pray more and not less because we believe that God Mm -hmm. is in control of all things. Is it possible to spend too much time with your grandkids, though? Uh, that totally impossible that's a, that's a that's a that's a scientific impossibility no one has ever spent too much time with their grandkids g <laughs> maw and g paul are right. witnesses right there okay right.
0: marion's in worcester ohio hi marion go right ahead hi chris great to talk with you what would you call something about i see the word gossip in front of me yes um I switched churches in August, and that has been really one of the things that has been uh, made very evident to me. There's too much gossip going on with Christian people, and that is a sin. And also, um, I think there's too many people harbor unforgiveness towards people, and that. It's also something that
1: has been made very evident to me. Yes, we need we need to forgive people for hurting us.
0: Yes, which is what Jesus talked about. You know, if you if you come to to the the place and you have something against your brother, you know, go and make it right. So you're saying, get things right between each other. Evangelize is the first person who called. The Next thing is. Let's be real about our own sin and getting things right. Ray, what do you think?
1: Look, it's almost as if Marion's read the book, and it's not even out yet, because the very next thing Peter says is, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. If we believe that Jesus is coming soon, we're going to have to be quick to forgive the stupid unkind, unfair things others do. We're going to have to keep short lists. A- in the, as we rush toward the hmm. end of the age, we've got to do what she said. We've got to become good forgivers. And I want to say, quick forgivers, not let things build up. Hmm. Easier said than done, but,
0: but I wouldn't think of that as, as the very first thing, you know, I think about, gotta pray more, you gotta evangelize, you gotta tell, you know, if the Titanic is going down, <laughs> you go, you get to people. Right. But, but it's true. I think Marion has put her finger on a nerve here. You have something against the people in your life and there's unforgiveness there, or you need to say that you're sorry. Get that done now don't wait around until one minute to bend dying.
1: well right? hey well look chris if if somebody knew they were going to die tonight yeah yes or tomorrow wouldn't we be getting on the phones wouldn't that person yeah. be calling sending an email saying i want i don't want to die with this on my conscience i want to make things right with you by the same token, if we believe Jesus is coming back, then we ought to be, we ought to be getting on the phone now and writing those emails and making things right now. All right. So this is going to be a practical program.
0: If Jesus returned this week, this month, this year, would it make a difference in your life? 877-548-3675. How are we to live? Want to hear from you now. I really want to know your answer to this question. Ponder this. If Jesus were to return this week, this month, this year, what difference would it make in the way that you live? Would you do anything differently if you knew that? I guess the first question I would ask is, well, how do you know that? Cause no man knows the hour and I get that. And I, but what if he, what if he returned tonight at midnight? And, and here we are in the afternoon on a Monday. And you knew that he'd return it. Would you do anything differently today? Ray Pritchard is with us. He's written a, a book called uh, Two Minutes Till Midnight.
1: And isn't that right? It comes out. You can make it available it, it, in right, April on your website. Right. It, so, is, it is at the printer this week. And the week after Easter, two weeks from now, we're going to release it. And people, can, there's going to be print copies people can order through our ministry, keepbelieving.com. But we're going to put the PDF up on our website and for free. People can download it, read it, share it. And because this is a message, Chris, it has gripped my heart. It has really gripped my heart that, uh, in some ways I look at my Christian journey in some ways. I think I, 45 years ago in the seventies, I was thinking more about this than I am now. And yet the world, we are rushing, we are rushing onward toward the end of all things. And, uh, I think Anne Graham Lots is right. And by the yes. way, in 1918, at the end of World War I, which is at that time, you know, the war to end all wars, right? Right. Uh, right. You, you remember the great British Bible teacher, G. Campbell Morgan, another man by mm-hmm. the name of F.B. Meyer in heaven. Right. Uh, those two and four others or six others got together and issued the London Manifesto. It's about seven statements, and they said, it's clear that the times of the Gentiles' Are coming to an end. The prophetic clock is ticking. We are living in the days before the return of the Lord. And you know what I want to say? I want to say I think they're right. And, and, and I, the way I look at all this is Matthew Matthew twenty four. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. All these things are the beginning of literally in the Greek, it's birth pains, birth pains, labor pains. What well, you know? What happens with labor pains? They start low and slow. And they get sharper and faster and sharper and faster, suggesting to me that one generation will see one thing, another generation will see another. And as we as we roll on across the generations, the tempo of events is going to pick up faster and faster until finally it's like the labor pains just all become one big thing and here comes the baby. Well, in this case – Here comes the Lord Jesus. I don't think my brothers in 1918 were wrong. I think what they saw was exactly right. And I think of my mentor, Dr. Charles Ryrie, who wrote the Bible in Tomorrow's News. I think that came out in about 1974. Um, That book, uh, he was was right on the money. And Dr. Ryrie is now in heaven, but I think what he said is true. We are living in the days in which the fulfillment of events just – Billy Graham again. I keep coming back to this. Okay, Billy Graham said, take the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other because the Bible helps you understand what you're reading in the newspaper. He's right. And as I read, as I read the newspaper and I see what's happening in the world, it lines up exactly with the with the events the Bible describes leading up to the return of Christ. Chris, I don't have a date. I do not Have a date. (laughs) And if you give one, I'm going to cut you off. (laughs) (laughs) I I understand. No no man knows the day or the hour, but I would rather live believing that Jesus is going to come in my lifetime. I think I'll be a better Christian if I live tiptoed, looking toward the eastern sky and saying, perhaps today, I think I'll be more motivated toward godliness than if I just sit down and slouch and... And slouching my lazy boy and watch TV and think, well, it can't happen for another thousand years. I think there's a there's a motivating factor to living in the light of the soon return of the Lord Jesus. And you know what, Chris? One of these days he is going to come. And as they used to say, the old timers used to say, perhaps today. Well, yeah. we ought to live that way. What if it were today? Jace is in Indiana.
0: Hi, Jace. Join the conversation. How are you guys doing today? Doing great, thanks. Uh, first of all, I just want to say I love you guys' program. You know, I think it really reaches out and speaks to a lot of people across the country. But I just, I um, I really feel that if I knew for certain, eminently, Christ was going to be here, I would reflect and think, you know, how how can I become closer to Christ, more like Christ, and not only just through my actions, but with a relationship with Him. You know, I work on developing my relationship so that, you know, when the day comes and I've got to explain myself why I did the things that I did, it won't be quite as hard.
1: That is such a great answer. (laughs) Ray, go ahead. (laughs) Well, you know, doesn't first John say something about living in such a way that you do not shrink back in shame when you see him? That's a shocking thought. A shocking thought, Chris, that – and I'm not even sure I fully understand the depth of that, but clearly he's talking to believers. He's saying you can live such a careless life that you will be shocked and ashamed. You know, Mm -hmm. they used to say, do you want to be caught doing this and fill in the blank, okay? You want to be caught, fill in the blank. At the movie theater or at the bar or or whatever. Whatever whatever it was. You know, I I don't want to. I don't want to speak for everything they put in the blank, but the question's a good one. It's a good question, Chris. I ought to ask myself, do I want to be, is this going to, is this going to help me be ready for the return of Christ? And some things may not be bad in themselves, but they distract me from a wholehearted commitment to the Lord. And I think, I think, I think we ought to ask ourselves that question. We ought to live today as if He might come today because I think, We'd yes. get up out of that. I mentioned the lazy boy. I don't even have one, but, you know, <laughs> we'd get up out of the lazy boy. We'd be a little more attentive to our own walk with God.
0: Well, yeah, but I go back to Billy Graham. Let me go to him once. And and I, I believe one of the things that he said later in life you know, about the brevity of life is I would spend more time praying. And a lot of people look at prayer as something, well, you're not really doing anything. And right, if you know the world's right. going to end and Jesus is coming, you got to get out there and do something. And so I, I, I hear in between the lines of what we have discussed and even what Jace just said is, um, To really believe and bore down on the sovereignty of God. Yes. All of this is in his timing, and I am trusting in him, not carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders as far as I've got to get out there and tell everybody right now, it's all up to me, no, no. You be faithful with whatever God has given you to do right where you are today in, in uh, drawing near to him so that he'll draw near to you so that you've got something to tell them when they ask for the reason for the hope that
1: you have. Okay. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, Chris. Okay. Chris, you've been reading first Peter. You know, I mean, you, this, this goes back to that passage about how practical the return of the Lord is. What's the very first thing he says? It's not get up and do something. The very first thing he says is clear your mind. Clear your mind so you can pray. Wow. Wow. So you can pray for others. So you can pray for yourself. So you can get to know the Lord in the book of Psalms. So you can deepen your walk with God. What's the second thing he says is love covers a multitude of sins. Meaning, number one, if, if you really believe Jesus is coming back, okay, clear your mind. And get down to the business of prayer. And number two, keep short accounts with other people. Don't let things build up. Become a quick forgiver. This doesn't speak to the activism of life. It speaks to the attitude of the heart. If I really believe Jesus is coming back, it's not going to make me frenetic. It's going to make me center on those things which matter most. All right. I got some words from Mabel for you. You
0: ready for this? Yeah, yeah. Mabel Johnston Camp Lift up your heads, pilgrims aweary, See days approach, now crimson the sky. Night shadows flee, and your beloved, Awaited with longing at last, draweth nigh. Dark was the night, sin warred against us, Heavy the load of sorrow we bore, But now we see signs of his coming. Our hearts glow within us, joy's cup runneth o'er. O blessed hope, O blissful promise, filling our hearts with rapture divine, O day of days, hail thy appearing, thy transcendent glory forever shall shine. Fourth verse, even so come precious Lord Jesus, creation awaits redemption to see, caught up in clouds, soon we shall meet thee, O blessed assurance forever with thee he is coming again.
1: Is coming again. Mm. First of all, Chris, they don't write songs like that much anymore. I mean, when when did Mabel write that? Maybe a hundred years ago or something like that. Yeah, she lived in eighteen seventy one to nineteen thirty seven, so somewhere in there. Somewhere in there, and in those words, you know, those words they sound a little what archaic, just to our Mm -hmm. ears, to our twenty first century ears. But boy, the truth, the truth. Lift up your hearts. Lift up your eyes. Look to the skies. Um, didn't Jesus say, uh, yes. th- th- "Look up for your redemption." draweth nigh. Go, Mabel. Go. We could use more yeah. songs like that. <laughs> go, Mabel. Uh, I fist bump with
0: Mabel. That's Mabel. Right. Uh, so, so here's the thing, though. A lot of times we hear about the doomsday clock and Armageddon and the four horsemen and Apollyon and all of the, you know, all of that and we just shudder at revelation and and we should because it's it's going to be awful it's going to be terrible but when we see these things these signs that are in the world and all of the turmoil the you know it's hard to go through birth pangs but when you see it to know what the eventual end of this is going to be ought to give us hope
1: that it transcends the the struggle right well it, while you were saying that, my mind, but there's, there's so much in the Bible about this. The New Testament is filled with teaching, and, and I was going to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, that don't forsake the assembling of yourselves mm-hmm. together. That part we've heard, which in people, say that means go to church. Okay, sure. But, but what's the rest of the verse? Don't forsake coming together as you see the day, the mm-hmm. day approaching as you see the day of the Lord approaching, as you see the end of the world approaching, as you see that the end of all things is drawing near. Uh, Chris, we're going to need each other more in the last days. We're going to need fellowship more. We're going to need worship more. We're going to need to encourage each other more. Oh, can I give the third thing that Peter mentions because it kind do of it. goes along here? This is hospitality. The third, first thing is pray. The second thing is forgive. And the third thing is show hospitality to one another. And he adds, without grumbling. Mm. And, you know, you could go a long way down the road, but what it certainly means is this. You know, Well, let me say it this way, Chris. You know who understands this verse better than we do in America? It's our brothers and sisters in China. It's our brothers and sisters in the Muslim world. It's our Serious. brothers uh, and, and Syria. Yeah, they understand. They understand the importance of hospitality because they are under such attack. So, I mean, we talk about persecution, but they experience it. And hospitality, caring for one another in hard times—that's that's part of the lifeblood of the of the of the Christian movement. So. If we read the book of Revelation, you know, the trumpets, the vials, the judgments, the, you know, the, 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 the sea turned to blood and all that. If we read that and we take that in any sense of literalness, then we got to understand in the last days, in the chaos of the last days, we're going to need to open our homes to each other, to immigrants, to refugees, to unwed mothers, to kids who are displaced. If we really believe what we say we believe, then we ought to practice hospitality. And let's not grumble about it because it's part of being a Christian at this moment in history. Which reminds me of our discussion we had last year.
0: We went through the book of James and how practical that was and how he got down to the nitty-gritty with that. With You, know, you have the, the rich person come up front and you say to that person here, you sit over there. No, no, we dare not do that. Ray Pritchard's with us today. Don't let this seize you up, this question If Jesus were to come today or at the end of the week. Let it open your mind to really want to follow him. Coming up on Good Friday, we have a special broadcast for you, and we've been talking about Fernando Ortega. He was with us. Back in the fall, and he sang songs from the new album, The Crucifixion of Christ. That's our gift to you. If you give a gift to Chris Fabry Live right now, call 866-95-FABRY. Give a gift of any size, we'll send you Fernando's CD, The Crucifixion of Jesus. And if you want to go to the website, it's chrisfabrylive.org. There's a new booklet called Two Minutes Till Midnight that will be available after in April, and it'll be at Ray's website, as he mentioned. That It'll be in book form as well as a PDF free that you can find. So go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org, and you can link through to Keep Believing Ministries. Let me read this to you, Ray. Um, this really strikes close to my heart. It's something I've considered many times. Ideally, I would change nothing uh, in answer to the question, what would you do differently if you knew Jesus were coming at the end of the week or month, year? I would ideally change nothing because I should be living every day as if it were the day of Christ's second coming. Mostly, I think this is true, although if I were given the news, my heart might suddenly think differently. There is one thing I would definitely change, though. I have a prodigal daughter. She'll be 20 in a certain month. She's gone from me. She's been gone for more than two years. I've been praying for her and practicing patience, waiting on the Lord. The prodigal father didn't go hunt down his son. I think if it were the end, I would actively go after her, pursue her, hunt her down, and probably plead with her and God. Uh, I have two children at home who love the Lord.
1: I would take them and their dad with me, and we'd go <laughs> find her. What do you say to that? I, I suppose every parent would say exactly that, that if you knew. If you had reason to believe the end of all things was happening in the next 24 to 48 hours, certainly you would do what you could, wouldn't you? Y- you would you would, you would, would write that letter. You would get on that plane. You would make that phone call. You would go, and whether they respond or not, with tears, you would tell them how much you love them, and you would beg your prodigal daughter, not simply to come home to you, but to come home to the Lord Jesus Christ christ and i think every parent feels exactly that way and and i think we ought to live ready to go ready to make that phone call when prompted by the holy spirit and wait until the right moment and th- th- there's a part of this chris that goes back to the the deep sense of the sovereignty of god right we don't know yes we, we don't know and, and somebody who's listening Probably ought to get on the plane or ought to make a phone call. Doesn't mean everybody should do that, but maybe somebody prompted by the Holy Spirit needs to reach out to a loved one and say, I am begging you with all of my heart to return to the Lord. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let each one follow the leading of the Holy Spirit because the day is going to come. The end of all things is at hand. Let's be ready when that day comes.
0: Here's a facetious question that is kind of serious at the same time. Uh Here we are, March 19th. If you knew Jesus were coming at the end of the month, would you pay your taxes?
1: <laughs> well, I put mine off. So I have not in, – in, if he does come before the end of the month, I don't plan to get to it till the first part of April. So I guess <laughs> – I guess that's. I guess I'm on the rapture plan for for paying my taxes, right? If he comes, if he comes, somebody else is going to have to take care of that after I'm gone. But you're going to do it, though. Isn't it? That, yes, that's right. I I, I have. Full plans and full assurance generally get it done, like on the 10th or 11th or the 12th or the 13th or the 14th. You keep it as long as you can, Ray. Let's just be honest about it. Let's just keep that. I I don't blame you. That's right. Okay, so
0: Elizabeth on Facebook said, I'd probably fall on my knees in deep sorrow and humility for my sins, and I hope that he would embrace me and tell me that I'm forgiven and free to live a less
1: painful life. What do you say to that? Well, the wonderful thing is you can't out the grace of God where sin abounded, grace super abounded. and it's a wonderful thing, and I mean, it's a gift from God to have that moment when you realize, boy, boy, oh, boy, I have really blown it. It doesn't sound wonderful, doesn't feel wonderful, but we are, Chris, we're all in the same boat. We're in yeah. desperate need of the grace of God. And the boat is going down. If God doesn't do something and he did something, he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whose grace is sufficient to cover all our sins. As Corey tin Boom liked to say, there's no pit so deep that the love of God is not deeper still. So the good news is no matter what we've done, there is grace. There is grace available to forgive us. And the other piece of good news is, my friends, Jesus is coming again. Look up. Lift up your eyes. Your redemption draws nigh. Mm-hmm. Some people say I read the end of the book and we win no. I read the end of the book and he wins. And because yes. we are joined with him, we share in his great victory. Jesus is coming, my friends. Are you ready? Mm. I mm.
0: I agree with everything you're saying and and yet at the same time, you know, if I wake up the next that morning and I I really believe Jesus is coming, I'm going to I'm gonna make my bed. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend my time with him. You know, right. in that morning and be prepared for anything that he brings across. Well, I'd still do this program, right? That's exactly and, uh, right. And we'd have these kinds of conversations. So, thanks for the encouragement. I'm gonna look forward to reading this two minutes till midnight. It it comes out in April. You'll have it at your website, and people can find it right there. Right? That's exactly right. Be out in about two two and a half weeks, something like okay. that. Two Minutes Till Midnight, Fearless Living in Uncertain Times. Ray, thanks for your heart. You come back real soon, all right? Thanks, Chris. Chris Fabry a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Global Ministries. If you'd like to find out more about Dr. Ray Pritchard or the ministry, you can link to that uh, article about Elsie uh, as well. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org.
1: Thanks for listening.